Yeah, smart leaders, I think, are going to recognize eventually that content, happy, um, fulfilled people actually help them achieve their goals in a much more expedient and in a much more efficient manner. If the idea is to run a well-oiled machine, you got to take care of your people. And the more you take care of your people and the more empathetic you are with your people, I believe your business is going to run so much better. You're listening to the Lippert Academy for Leadership podcast, a show where we invite leaders to have courageous conversations about the journey of leadership, work, and culture. Let's go. Welcome back to the Lippert Academy for Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Carr. Thanks so much again for joining us today as we have another courageous conversation about work, leadership, life, and today, empathy. Now, maybe more than ever, is empathy needed in our workplace? And and maybe even now more than ever, those of us who thought we were really good at expressing empathy have been exposed in the last few weeks as the game has changed and the ground has shifted beneath our feet with uh, with coronavirus and COVID-19. We're here recording this in early April. Um, and so things are still in flux. Hopefully, maybe by the time this airs in a month or so, things will have settled down, but I don't think so um, because of the way things are going. And so excited to have this conversation today. And, and lucky for me, I'm not gonna have to do much of the talking and lucky for you, you're not gonna have to listen to me do a lot of the talking. We've got a couple of our directors of leadership from Lipper Components here with us. And so, um, guys, here's what I want to start. I just We're going to start and just have you guys introduce yourself, sort of maybe the role you play, where you play that role. Um, and, then, uh, and then I'll circle back around and we'll start this conversation about leading with empathy and, and even what that means. So, Edgar, we'll go ahead and we'll start with you. Yeah, thanks, Dustin. Um, so, I'm Edgar Cabello and I've been with Lipper components for three years now this month actually and so um you know it's a it's an evolving role let me i'll tell you what i'll, I'll give you like our our three big rocks and then i'll i'll let trace expand on that when he introduces himself so we 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 kind of say there's there's three things that we do um we train um, we coach and then um and we come alongside alongside people as a trusted advisor. So those are kind of the three big rocks. Um, there's more to it, but um, that's the short version. And I'll, I'll let Trace maybe kind of build on that. Uh, my name's Trace Rory. I like Edgar. I'm one of our directors of leadership development. And the only way I'll expound on that is I just try to be half as good as what Edgar is. That's my job description. If I nail that, then I'm not done. <laughs> I was going to say, my name's Dustin and I like Edgar too. So that works out. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so feel the love. Um, okay. So, you know, I, I'm excited to have you guys here as, as, we, as we talk about this. And so empathy. And that's a word that gets thrown around a lot. Um, and, and not unfairly, I don't think. But Trace, let's just start with you. And again, let's just be clear. We don't have a whole lot of notes. In fact, until about 90 seconds ago, we thought we were talking about an entirely different topic. Um, so, so Trace, I'm going to start with you. Empathy. When you, when you hear that word, when you try to describe that word, what, uh, for you, what comes to mind? I think oftentimes we, and it's really common, and I, I'm guilty of it as well in, in my past until I really started to, to understand what empathy is, that people oftentimes confuse empathy with sympathy two very similar sounding words. And oftentimes I think people use them interchangeably, but there, there really is a key difference. Um, we confuse them because uh, sympathy is really just a feeling of concern for somebody. And it may be a sense that they could be happier, uh, but unlike empathy, sympathy doesn't involve having a shared perspective 
or shared emotions. Empathy requires a certain amount of emotional and intellectual engagement from the person. It's not just a feeling for somebody. It's a feeling with somebody. Uh, whether you've had the exact same experience that they've had, or even if you haven't, you might be able to relate to some of the emotions that a person might be feeling at any given point in time. And it's having enough emotional intelligence, and I'm sure we'll talk about that too. It's having enough emotional intelligence and ability to know and read people and understand people so that you can tell, you know what, that person's going through a difficult time. And whether I've been through the exact same thing or I haven't been that they're going through, I can at least relate to the fact that it's difficult. It's hard. Um, something is challenging for them. I know what that's like. I know what that causes inside of a human being. And then it's being able to take some of those feelings and some of that shared perspective. And I think that's the key word. It's shared perspective. Um, and then really figure out, and not just leaving it at that and staying at a distance, right? Like, oh man, I feel bad for that person. It's it's really being able to use that to connect with the person to maybe try to help them navigate through whatever they're they're feeling. You might not always have the answers, but at least you can walk through it with somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So high level, that's kind of what comes to mind for me when when I think about empathy. Edgar, what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So you know, I mean, not having the answer, I think, might be one of the critical pieces of all of this. You know, is oftentimes, you know, especially in our role, um, it's not terribly uncommon for somebody to come to you looking for advice. Um, and I think to, to truly be empathetic, learning to tame that um, advice monster is is pretty important. Um, and, and it really kind of leads to me, it kind of leads us back down the road of listening. Because um, I think even if you struggle to be an empathetic person, a way that you can begin to get there with um, with, with some more... I don't, I don't want to call it expertise, but, but certainly with more experience and with an open mind is to really work on, on listening. And that's, that to me, I believe is, is the path to becoming a more empathetic person is truly listening with an open mind to people. So, I mean, that, that's the thing, the first thing that comes to mind for me, Dustin. Yeah. And I think that's, that's hard. I want to talk about that for a second, that, that taming the advice monster, because when you're talking inside leadership, you're thinking chain of command and, and, you know, I'm responsible for it because it's in my span of care. It's almost easier if you're outside and the role that, that we play in, in terms of leadership development, where we get to come alongside people because we're not in that chain of command, right? I mean, it's hard for a leader to express empathy when at your core, all you really want to do is solve it. Right, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever it is. Talk about that, the importance of that from a leadership standpoint, to lead with, you hear the phrase, well, we really need to lead with empathy. And I think people hear that and they think, I need to lead with sympathy. I need to feel for my people and not feel with them because I just want to solve their problem when they bring it to me. Yeah, I mean, especially in our, uh, in the field that we're in, in manufacturing, I mean, we do a lot of fixing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that propensity to, um, you know, want to take care of it, want to make it more efficient, want to fix a broken process, want to, you know, uh, it, fixing comes in a uh, hundred different variations in manufacturing. So I think it's almost built into our culture to fix. And it's one of the things within our culture that makes um, listening and becoming more empathetic a, a bit more of an uphill climb because... Mm-hmm it kind of goes against our natural grain um, in terms of what we do professionally every single day and every single week. Mm -hmm. Trace, what's your thought on that? Yeah, I think, especially in the workplace, 
whether it's in manufacturing or in some other sector of business, if you're a leader, more often than not, you know the destination you want to get to, you know where you need to get, you know what the goal is, you know where you need people to get. And very often, time is money. We want to get to places as quickly as we can because uh, the sooner we get there, then the sooner we can accomplish the goal, we can move on to the next goal. So we do what we can to try to to get people to where we need them to get so we can get where we need to get. Um, and oftentimes we might mimic some of the behaviors of empathy, right? Like Egger's spot on, like listening. It starts with listening. So I might get conceptually that, you know, I need to listen to a person. But there's a, there's a difference between listening to respond and move on versus listening to truly understand and empathize. And human beings are these remarkably complex creatures, right? Like just listening to somebody saying, okay, I listen, let's, let's do this thing. doesn't necessarily mean somebody is ready to get to where you need them to get yet. And it's, it's the part of um, a leader to truly know and understand each individual person, right? And what it's going to take for them to get to like their best self ultimately. And whatever it is that's standing in their way, whatever season of life they're in, whatever difficulty, it takes a leader being able to truly pause and slow down enough to listen to, to take the perspective of that person, to empathize with them, and then go at the pace, like the appropriate pace right, for that person to get them back to where they need to be able to get to, to honestly where you need them to be able to get to too, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So that you can have an effective team as well. So you can accomplish the goals because you can't just take forever, right? Like there's right. that tension you have to live in between allowing the person the space they need, but also going at the pace that you kind of need to go eventually as a team to accomplish the goals. But I, I think, I think of it in terms of like, again, this is probably a stupid analogy, but um, you know, if you've got a high performance race car, right. A driver's not just going to get in the car and just like pedal to the metal without doing a whole lot of things to make sure that car is high performing, high functioning. Right. Uh, and if the car breaks down, the driver's not just going to pull in and just do a couple diagnostics checks and just start pressing on the gas again, right? They're going to do a full diagnostic check and do whatever it takes to get that car back to high performing. Then they're going to get in the driver's seat and then drive it as fast as they can go. I kind of think of human beings the same way in a lot of regards. We just want to keep pushing that pedal, pushing that pedal. And without doing like a full diagnostic check on what might be going wrong so that they can get back to high performance, um, we oftentimes just, we might check the gas and we might check our dashboard and make sure the tires are pumped up and then think, okay, I gave it a good check. And then we mm-hmm. try to go when in fact we might not have solved the problem and you might actually do more damage to the car, right? If you're yeah. just trying to push it beyond its limits without actually truly trying to give it the the maintenance it needs. Yeah. You know, that idea of, of really listening and trying to understand where someone's coming from, right? We talk a lot that perception is reality, but the position you come from drives your perception, right? I mean, think in any relationship, if you come from a different position than someone else, there's going to be tension. I mean, if you grew up handling money very differently than your spouse's family grew up handling money, Mm -hmm. we probably know what you argue about, right? Like it's money because we come from a different we yeah. come from a different position. And then you think about a leader who has a title position. Just because I've got a title behind my name, I speak it and it sounds differently. Mm-hmm. Like you think about someone who's had a promotion, right? The, the person even just working on the line and the next day he's the frontline leader. Everything he says is different. He may say the exact same thing he said on Friday, but on Monday, 
it sounds different because of the position, which is why as leaders, we have to try to understand the position someone's coming from because so many times we want to hear them and fix it and not truly and not truly try to understand it. Why? Well, two questions, and we can talk about both of them. Why is it so hard for some people to do that? And two, when you guys work with leaders and you recognize they don't do that well, how do you get how do you bring them around to that spot to go, hey, you're not like you're not very empathetic at all because that's a really hard conversation, right? And and I know you guys have both worked with a lot of people who you've helped navigate that. They have to do that work, but you've helped them navigate that. So why is it, I'll start with the first one. Why is it so hard sometimes for people to understand and and have that, that I'm going to understand your position piece? I'm going to stay at, <clears throat> I'll, I'll get to the answer to that question, I promise. Um, but, but I, I, tactically, I just think, again, listening is, is, is critical. So, and, and here's something that we might miss when it comes to listening. Not, it's not just the skill of me listening to you, but it's the understanding of how rare it is for people to feel like they're actually listened to. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's two parts of that. Of, of, there's two good reasons right there why tactically in order to develop empathy, listening is, is, is the critical path. Mm-hmm. And, and there again, just for the sake of repetition, I'll say, yes, listening to understand with an open mind to really um, do our best to live in their experience with them, mm-hmm. critical. The second piece is, um, I would say a part of my, the philosophy that I've come to adopt over the last few years is this understanding that very few people feel as if they're actually being listened to. Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of times you can go into a, a, a situation, a one-on-one type of um, engagement and you know, you may not say three words <laughs> during the course of that time. And at the very end, when you're finished, because maybe you're out of town, maybe you're out of time or somebody, you know, is, is, is uh, a task is calling them or something like that. Um, they'll just say, thank you so much. And, and you really didn't do anything actively. I mean, <clears throat> active listening. Yes. You, you didn't really say anything or you know, give the advice or whatever. It was you listened to them. You genuinely listened to them. And therein came the answer. And then I guess you could even add a third thing to that. And that is oftentimes when people talk through their own issues, they answer, their, they answer and, and come to a conclusion or fix their own problem. And it then has very little to do with what we offered and has more to do with the fact that we were there. We listened, we lived in it with them for a moment and man, they got to where they were going to where they needed to go to trace this point. Yeah, no, he's agree spot on. I remember really specifically there was a one of our locations, one of our national plants. It was my first time there, and I'd never ever interacted with any of the people there before. And so I sat down with an individual and uh, just asked an opening question, and then for the next hour, hour and a half, probably, <laughs> uh, I may have uttered like a word or two, and it consisted of uh huh, okay go on like something like that. And then at the end of the hour and a half, I remember this leader saying, thank you. This was really helpful. You've been really helpful to me. And I literally did nothing <laughs> other than listen. And yeah. it, like to, to dissect it, you know, I realized that 
for those of us that have been doing this for a little while, there, there are little things like little uh, the body language, facial expressions, little nonverbal cues that we give somebody that demonstrates that we're listening, right? Like truly listening to understand. It's not just silence and eye contact. It is, but it, there's a little more to it. But yeah, you're spot on. Very often, people just need a chance to be able to process. They need to be able to work through some of what's in their head and in their heart. And they need to do it with somebody that they truly feel like is actually listening, actually mm-hmm. listening. You're you're spot on, Edgar. That's happened numerous times. I yeah. think I can't believe that um, I get paid to do this because I yeah. just yeah. listened to somebody and they figured it out. And, and I think you know the the listening piece just ends up being the active demonstration of empathy. It's yeah. it's the way. If it's if, if it's not the way, then it certainly is one of the critical ways in which we yeah. demonstrate it. And I think, I think that's to me the first part of an answer to the question I asked that you didn't answer, by the way, Edgar, um, <laughs> is that is that Trace? There are so many people that don't actually listen. Mm-hmm. There are so many people that when they engage in conversations, they're both trying to communicate. Mm-hmm. Maybe not both talk, but they're both trying to communicate. That we don't have a lot of sacred space where one person will just sit with somebody else and wrestle with something heavy, like you did. You didn't have to say a whole yeah. lot. You communicated a lot in that conversation you had with the person, but you'd have to say a whole lot, right? And so one of the reasons I think people aren't very good at either expressing it or, or understanding empathy is because we as a society don't value it, mm-hmm. right? We value 140 characters or 280 characters and a three-minute clip. And I can don't even have to read the article for myself. I can just share it with a couple of with a couple of barbs to send on my way, we don't value sitting with people. And maybe in this season, if more than, if nothing else comes out of this whole coronavirus COVID-19 thing, there are leaders that have had to learn to just sit with people in some really difficult moments. Yeah. 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 I feel like to your point, I feel like we actually value what the outcome of it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't value what it takes to get it. Right. Like that's where we want to we want to um, reach it quicker, faster. Like speed is the enemy of intimacy. Right. Like urgency is oftentimes the enemy of intimacy. So we want to get to the outcome so quickly. And by doing that, we undermine our ability to get the outcome because we just try and rush it. Right. We're not truly present because we don't like the fact that it might take somebody an hour to talk through something. And we might actually have to sit there and listen for an hour. Mm. It's hard for us. We don't like the process. We want the outcome. But we, we try to. We try to rush it. I'm just thinking about conversations I have with my kids. Yeah. And I do that. Like, can we get to the point? Like, let's go, <laughs> right? We rush them through. It's, it's, it's true. Why? I mean, so how I do you... answer your question. Like, that's one right there. It's, it's speed and speed, urgency, oftentimes conflicts with process, right? Process and what it takes to actually get it. And that's hard because there's always a demand for our time, right? Especially in the workplace, and at home, right? There's just a, there's only so much time in a day and it's, we know where we want to get, but it's hard to dedicate the time to it because we're rushed. We want to go fast. It's urgent. It's tough. People don't always work like that. No, no. And, and here's my attempt at asking your, answering your question, actually, Dustin. <laughs> okay, um, go for it. I think people actually, for the reasons that Trace is talking about, is they just give up. They, they, come to the, they come to the conclusion that like, I can't do this. I'm no good at this. I cannot be empathetic. I mean, honestly, I don't have the personality makeup. I don't really care. <laughs> and I, you know, and in some cases, unfortunately, that's true. 
Um, mm-hmm. but, but I think oftentimes people just give up too easily and it's, it really is. And that's why, I, you know, the, the, that's why listening and developing that skill is so important is if you can learn to be more empathetic, um, mm-hmm. if you will pick up on some skills and be patient with the process. Yeah. And the worst part is when a leader goes, yeah, but that's not my job. My job is to get X, Y, and Z done. My job is to hit that number or this operating income or my, my keep my retention at this, like that's my job. And which perfectly sets up your second question, I think, which is what do you do with leaders that they're just, they're not there? How do you get them there? Mm-hmm. I, I, there's probably as many different methods as there are people. It just depends on the person. But um, for me, what I found to be effective for people like that they don't consider it to be their job. My job is to hit the numbers. It's to run the business. I start with the goal to say, okay, so tell me your goals. What's your job? And they oftentimes list, you know, they've got productivity goals. They've got numbers they have to hit, all this stuff that actually involves people functioning at a high level. <laughs> and so I work backwards then to say, okay, that's what you want. I can help you get that, right? So here's what it's going to take to get that. And I start listing out and we work backwards. Just here's how you get the best out of people, right? To accomplish your goal. Well, if you want to get the best out of people, then here's some habits and behaviors that you're going to need to implement consistently over time. That's going to keep people functioning at a high level. One of those things winds up being empathy, right? Mm -hmm. And the ability to listen, the ability to understand everything we're talking about. But oftentimes they just don't see how that's going to contribute to their goal. So I just work backwards. I start at the goal and then it just becomes like for people like that with that mindset, it becomes like any other tool or machine that they would have to use to hit their outcome, hit their goal. It's like, well, if you want that machine to function effectively, here's what you have to do. And it oftentimes winds up being very human things that I've seen some really great transformations where some leaders will approach it like that. Okay, well, I guess if I want this, this is what I really want. I guess I'll have to do a couple things here. And then they wind up finding so much value in some of the human to human connection pieces that then sure they still care about this, but this has its own merit now and its own value. And it doesn't just become a means to an end, right? They actually consider it valuable to be able to connect and relate to their people and empathize and build relationships. And then once they're convinced, then you don't have to do much for that person other than maybe some little skill set development, a little bit of coaching and redirection here. But um, that's where I start with people. It's just, okay, if you want that, Let's work backwards. Here's how you get that from people. Yeah. Edgar? Yeah. Smart leaders, I think, are going to recognize eventually that um, content, happy, um, fulfilled people actually help them achieve their goals in a much more expedient and in a much more um, efficient manner. So, uh, you know, your, your initial setup, that's my job, not my job. You know, I mean, you know, we're here to get a job done. Okay, I think you're taking the slow road. I think you're definitely taking the, a, a more resistant path to getting where you actually want to go. If the idea is to run a well-oiled machine, you've got to <laughs> you got to take care of your people. And the more you take care of your people, and the more empathetic you are with your people, I believe your business is going to run so much better. Mm-hmm. I have found that so many times it's trying to help people understand why they show up the way they do. Right, because people that 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 struggle with, and again, I think some people are wired to be more empathetic. I, I, by admitting, I am not one of those. I, I mean, I have to work hard 
um, to turn on my empathy. I mean, I will consciously at times tell myself before I go meet with someone, turn on your feelings. Like you got to, you have to do that. Um, but I think it's important to help people understand why they show up that way. Because so many times it has nothing to do with their job. It has nothing to do with the work that's in front of them. It has to do with the way they were raised. It has to do with the environment they were in uh, when they were in school. Or, you know, there was a season where I was working with a lot of guys that were coming out of the military. And they had a perception of the way we're, we're going to treat this group of, this group of people. Um, and so much, so many times it's peeling back to go, listen, it has nothing to do with this job. Like if you want to interact well with people, no matter what the setting, mm-hmm. uh, because they're probably not non-empathetic at work and then they go home and they're the most empathetic person ever, right? Like, like their, their spouse and their kids are probably living with the same type of person that they're living with. So, so many times it's peeling back the layers to help a leader, to help a leader um, understand where that comes from. How? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, just one more comment on that, uh, Dustin. So um, it's that, that last example you talked about, what you take home with you, it's, it's really kind of ironic because uh, I was not too long ago had a, uh, an interaction with a, a, a newer leader who kind of had a reputation for being a hard nose. Um, and, and then when we finally sat down, I found out like this, this guy was like one of the most, um, loving family men you could possibly, make. and, and people would say that of him. And, and so I, I just straight out asked him, I'm like, so why do, does everybody think you're such a hard nose, but here you're, I mean, it was literally in tears talking about his family and his children and he doors them all, you know, it's just like the ultimate family man. And again, people would also testify of this, uh, about him, I should say. And, and, and he just said, you know, I just feel like it's how you're going to actually just get the job done. Mm -hmm. And and so at that point, I just challenged him. I'm like, listen, if you would bring like your heart as a dad to work with you and you would let that lead you in terms of like how you develop your team, I said, I think you would come to a totally different conclusion than what you've, what you've started in on. So it's funny because he visited with me a few months later and he's just like, I can't, he says, I'm not stressed at work anymore. He says, I'm having better conversations with my people. He's like, it's unbelievable. You know, I felt like I had to be a driver and a pusher only. And all I introduced to him was the concept of the same way you lead at home, lead at work, you know, because <laughs> it seemed to be working over there. <laughs> That's funny how that works. Okay. So Give me some, give me some real practical tips for a leader that says, I want to get better at practicing empathy. Um, I need to figure out if I even, how I do now with it. Just give me, give, give us some real practical things that, that leaders could do now to sort of, to gauge where they're at or know where they need to maybe start to get better. What are some things they can do? I'm going to start. Okay. I know I've just dominated this last five minutes, but um, because Trace is going to give a much richer answer than mine. So I would say whatever you say. (laughs) I would start just with the discipline of building it into your, into your schedule, into your life. So, I mean, we do, and this happens all around our company. We challenge people, schedule your one-on-one times and Mm -hmm. set a goal for yourself. And if that's one time a week or two times per week with, with a couple of leaders, make sure you get to everybody during the course of your year. Or if you're in a smaller facility, maybe during the course of your, of the quarter, your goal is to get to each and every one of your leaders and spend at least, you know, 
15 minutes, 30 minutes, one-on-one. So I would say understanding that, you know, outside of the softer skills that, that come along with this, it's the discipline of making room for it in your daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly schedule yep. to get with your people. Because if you don't do that, then the chances of you becoming more empathetic are almost nil because then you'll never have time for it. Yep. So schedule it in, um, let that become a discipline. And I guarantee just giving that the time, you will at least, at the very least, get better at it. Okay. Good. Schedule it. So right now leaders can look at their calendar and I get it in the season we're in, everyone's calendar looks a little goofy, but where am I looking at my calendar and where have I built in time to have meaningful connection, whether we're talking about work or other stuff, meaningful connection with my team. So the discipline to schedule it is a good one. Okay. What else? Um, So kind of going back to, early in our conversation where if I can get to a point where a lot of the leaders we've been talking about, where maybe not, maybe empathy is not a natural thing for them. Um, if they're, if they're honest enough with me, they'll say that often. Like I just, I have a hard time really being empathetic because honestly I'm here to get a job done. I don't know that I care a whole lot. So to be able to crack that nut is a little harder because essentially there's a heart thing there, right? That I can't just make a person care about their people. So um, I I try to let them off the hook a little bit at first to say, look, we'll worry about that later. You can actually um, feel that way, but you can start to mimic some of the behaviors of empathetic listening, right? And very often as they they start to mimic some of these behaviors, implement them into their conversations slowly, but surely you do see it start to, to crack that nut once they start having good conversations. Um, so I just kind of let them table that whole, like, Hey, if you don't care for this, isn't like something that's going to kind of get down deep in your heart. That's okay. Cause you're right. There are some people that they're just naturally empathetic. And what I find with people like that, that the key difference is that more often than not people that are really naturally empathetic, they actually carry a lot of the weight of the burden of whatever the person's talking about. They carry the weight of that on their shoulders after that conversation's over. Right. And that actually winds up being uh, oftentimes can be a really unhealthy thing for people that are naturally empathetic is they carry the weight of all those burdens. It's also what makes them so empathetic. But on the flip side, there's an unhealthy side to that. Whereas I think people that aren't as naturally empathetic, if they can master some of the behaviors, which I'll talk about in a second, um, they might be able to walk away from that conversation and not let it sink as deeply into them, which I actually think in some, some regards in a healthy way, that can actually be like a, a good healthy thing, especially if you're a leader that has a lot of direct reports for you to be able to stay um, mentally healthy to some degree. If you can't let those things sink too deeply, deep enough, right? As deep as is appropriate and right for you to be able to feel with the person, mm-hmm. but not be completely wrecked by it. Um, so oftentimes with those leaders, what I coach them on, if they're not naturally empathetic is okay. Just in some of your conversations, let's keep it simple. Um, you need to eye contact, right? Some of this is just really good communication stuff. Eye contact. You need to, um, with your nonverbals, right? Like stay with the person and affirm what they're saying. Like at certain points in the conversation, give appropriate head nods, maybe some, some tonal cues. Like mm-hmm. stay off your phone. Yeah. Stay off your phone, remove distractions, stay, stay off your computer. Right. And, um, I really, really try to beat this into leaders that aren't naturally empathetic. Like you said earlier, we typically want to provide an answer 
And honestly, even if you have the answer, even if you know that you have the correct answer, just giving it to that person right now isn't going to attend to the need that they have, which is to talk about it, be able to process it. So you have got to fight, fight, fight your desire to interrupt, right? So when a person's talking, you might think you have the answer, but now you're retreating back in your own head, right? Block it out and keep listening to what the person is saying. Think about what the person's saying right now in the moment. Don't just retreat in your own thoughts. And then when the person's done speaking, don't just be quick to jump in there with your own thought. Actually give it a breath between when the person's done speaking and when you start, because oftentimes what you might find is that that person's actually not done speaking. <laughs> right? So give it a breath, give it a couple seconds, maintain eye contact. Some of the things that people have told me that it's like the best parts of the conversation have come on the back end of me being willing to sit in a little bit of the awkward silence of the conversation a little bit, right? Because then that person, they, they think, they think, they process, and then they're able to go a little bit deeper than they were before just because I let there be a breath in the conversation and didn't feel the need to fill the space with my own thoughts, mm. right? Sometimes, most often as a leader, you don't have to do that because the purpose isn't necessarily to bring a solution is to just be there so that they can find their own, right? So I think that that um, that piece, if you want to, uh, to me, a quick measurement of of emotional intelligence and how well you do is how well can you sit in silence mm-hmm. when someone shares something, whatever it is. How well and how long can you sit in silence, right? Because we don't like to sit in silence as a people. Like if we stop talking. Um, now, again, we can see each other here, but for everybody listening, um, we have to keep talking. But when you're in this conversation, we don't like to sit in silence. We're going to try to break the silence with our own story or we're going to change the subject completely, especially if we don't like the mood, mm-hmm. right? When you're coaching somebody, um, that can be, that's a good indicator of how well do you sit in silence when someone t- is telling you something really hard? When someone's moved to emotion, can you just sit with them mm-hmm. and not speak? Um, that's probably a good indicator of how um, the the depth and maturity of your emotional intelligence doesn't mean you don't have any. We all do. And what's great about emotional intelligence is it's a skill that can be developed, yeah. right? We're not talking about things that are maybe harder to be developed, like, you know, humility and integrity. I mean, this is a skill mm-hmm. that absolutely can be developed. And you guys have stories of people where you've seen their emotional intelligence grow, Right. And there's a discipline, uh, again, you know, to the silence, like let, just sitting in that potentially awkward place of, of silence. And I, I remember I was with a, one of our leaders one time, and he ended up, you know, talking for a little while, just kind of opening up about some stuff, things that he was challenged by. And, uh, and, and I've just let some time go. And probably after about 15, 20 seconds, he's just like, dude, you're freaking me out. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and again, you know, just the idea that a lot of us are uncomfortable and we're, we're trained to kind of arbitrarily fill that place. And, and I just, and we laughed and it, so it kind of lightened the moment for a minute. Um, but, but I just said, listen, I'm just really thinking about what you just said. And, you know, before I just kind of give you something back, um, you know, it's like whatever that machine is that returns the bowling ball, you know, it's like, here it comes, you know what I mean? And I, I think, I, I just, I, sometimes it, it's better just to kind of really just sit and, and think clearly. And then it, then I, my response at that point, if they're done talking, right, to, to really 
affirm that you're being listened to. Anything else? You know? Um, then, then I find that, man, it really almost gets you to a peaceful place because it's like, okay, so you're not in a hurry. Okay, so you're not thinking about other things. Oh, wow, maybe you're really listening to me. And, and I think that's where a lot of really powerful moments can happen. Yeah. With the emotional intelligence piece, honing your ability to, to read nonverbal cues in people mm. when they're talking is really important because uh, oftentimes, I mean, little things, and there's plenty of things you can search for on Google or on, on do plenty of reading about what are people's nonverbal uh, facial expressions, um, their cues that they give you for certain things. But like, I, I find that when somebody's having one of those moments, very rarely will they, as they're processing, they're kind of in their own space. You're just kind of there. They might not even be making eye contact with you, right? As they're, as they're processing this stuff. And that's okay. Oftentimes if somebody's not making eye contact with me or they're a little fidgety or they're tr trying to verbalize what they're thinking, that's when I'll just, I'll just sit because I know they're trying to work something out in their head. And very often what I found is when somebody's done speaking, they'll go from a, you know, they're kind of looking down, they're processing to, then they'll finally look at you. And that, that's a verbal cue. Like, okay, they're kind of done processing and they've kind of put a period on that sentence. Now I can lean in and ask a, another, hopefully open-ended question, right. To give them more space to process, to be able to speak if they want to, but it's little things like that. And that's one of a thousand, right. That you can learn and implement, but it's really knowing and understanding when, when a person's, in a certain moment and then what to do in that moment for that person. Even if it's just saying, you know, if, if, if they're having an emotional moment, like we said, you, you let there be some silence, but to even give some affirmation that the moment that they're in is okay. Like it's all right. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to wrap this up here in just a second with you guys each giving me just a final thought on, on leadership and empathy. But I just want to, I want to sort of recap at least those three that I took away. And I'm sure there's probably nuanced in there some more, but schedule, schedule it, be disciplined and scheduled, especially if you're not very good at it. To me, what we just talked about, that idea of practicing silence, that's something that we can do now. Like, okay, don't talk in your own head going, don't talk, don't talk, don't practice silence and then learn how to read people. I think some, you know, everyone there, people go, I love going to the airport because I just get to watch people. And what they're really trying to do is read because I go to there and I just, I try to make like assumptions. I try to figure out their entire life just by watching them, right? We, reading people is a good skill because it allows you to do it better, right? It allows you to communicate better. So I think those are three things that leaders, that leaders can do. So, um, all right, I'm going to ask you guys each for a, a final thought here. Um, as we, as we wrap it up. So Edgar, I'm going to, uh, we're going to respect our elders here. We're going to let you, uh, we'll let you go first and, and, uh, and Very share. With you. <laughs> so, um, so I, I'm going to just, I love what Trey said about, um, like leading with those behaviors, especially if it's a struggle. So I'm, I'm just going to kind of jump on that. I just, it reminded me of an old, uh, quip that I heard, um, years ago, uh, and it's just so because this could make, maybe help somebody remember that that thought, but that that right right choices or right behaviors bring right emotions. Yeah. So if if empathy is something that really in its purest form is a heart issue, we can actually get there by demonstrating those right behaviors that will take us there. So right behaviors lead to right emotions. So I, I think for me that's I, that's been something that's stuck with me for a long time. That's Help me understand that, yeah, sometimes it's the discipline that comes before the actual richness of developing 
you know, into the type of person having the kind of heart and the kind of integrity that I really want to develop in my life. Good stuff. Trace? I feel like empathy is a thing that's talked about a lot these days. It's kind of a popular term in leadership. You see talks on it. You've got popular personalities like Brene Brown or Simon Sinek or these people that talk about it a lot. And rightfully so. I think our culture just at, at large is shifting to a place where we just understand these days that work isn't just about work and the end product. It's about people. Um, it's about relationships. And so I just, I think empathy is something that it literally can't be ignored these days, whether you feel like you're good at it or not, right? It's just something that you can't overlook um, because people that, that kind of dismiss the concept of empathy. Um, I feel more often than not, they're people that tend to play the short game rather than think about the long game with people. And if you care about the long game, the long-term health of your organization or your team or people, not just short-term, but the long-term trajectory of it, then empathy is something you've got to figure out how to implement personally and then make sure it's something that at least your team or your organization some way, shape, or form, it's in the airspace somewhere. And um, sometimes, I forget, you, Dustin, you might be able to fill in the blank for me here, but sometimes we wait for perfection before we implement something. Like we, What's that phrase that I've heard you say before? The, that idea that, that uh, perfect can be the enemy of, of good. Yeah. Um, and I think that with empathy, uh, you don't have to be an expert to start trying something. Now, even like, the, like Edgar said, just have a one-on-one. Ask a good question and just sit and listen, right? You don't have to be an expert at it to start trying it because a little bit goes a long way with people because what you guys said at the beginning is, it's Edgar, you said it, it's a very rare thing for people to feel truly heard and understood and listened to, empathized with. So doing just a little bit will go a long way. So I think anybody can start this now and it's too critical not to. Good stuff. Good stuff. Hey guys, I, uh, I really appreciate your guys' time. I appreciate the, the, not only what you do, but, but the way you guys both do it. So thanks for, uh, thanks for the time. I really appreciate it. Great. Thanks, thanks man. All right. So if you got, if you, if, as you listen to this, you have questions, you want to get a hold of us, you want to even get a hold of Trace or Edgar, um, drop us an email at academy at lci1.com, academy at lci1.com. Uh, and we'll make sure we can, uh, we can funnel any questions um, to these guys. You can also find them on LinkedIn. You can find the Academy on LinkedIn and uh, post your questions or comments there. Appreciate as you guys listen, as you guys share this, um, we have a ton of fun having these conversations and, and that only happens because you guys listen and share them and all that good stuff. So thanks so much for doing that. So as always, the views and opinions expressed on this podcast belong solely to the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the mission or, uh, or view of Lipper Components Inc. Um, thanks to Eternity Bro for the theme music and to Michael Yoder and the amazing team at Truthwork Media for the production. Until next time, I'm your host, Dustin Carr, reminding you to think differently, lead courageously, and live passionately. See ya.